0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Press Row, a gorgeous Wednesday here out on the West Coast, returned from the summer of love, not in Seattle, as the mayor here called it, but actually in Toronto. And uh, really happy to be joined today by someone whose work I'm a huge fan of, uh, mostly because I'm a very high-level baseball fan. I don't get a lot of the intricacies, and I turn to him for that expertise. He is a baseball writer with the Athletic. Andrew Stoughton joins us. Andrew, how are you?
1: I'm great, man. Happy to be here. Thank you for uh, for inviting me on.
0: It's been uh, it's been awesome following your work uh, both on Twitter. The, these are certainly unusual times that we're in. Um, how are you and how are your family doing during the the, the pandemic?
1: Uh, pretty well. I mean, yeah, uh, I've been fortunate that, you know, the athletic kept on cruising along through the, uh, through the shutdown of all the leagues. And I got to remember some guys wrote, wrote about, you know, the Richardi era and the Gordash era and Maple Leaf stadium did a bunch of, you know, backwards looking stuff. And it's just been great to one, to keep a job and also two to, uh, to now be sort of looking forward. The family's good. I'm here in uh, beautiful Peterborough, Ontario. Uh, you know, uh, we've been, we've been doing very well, uh, pandemic wise, actually. I mean, as a smaller city, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the epicenter that maybe Toronto is though. I mean, of course you're being in the States, the, that's, uh, uh, the definition of, of epicenter, I guess, t- changes depending on which side of the border you're on. Uh, but yeah, things are good. Family's good. Uh, appreciate it.
0: Do, um, I guess it's great having baseball back. I guess you're not missing having to drive down to the Dome multiple times per week. Uh,
1: I'm not, though I don't often go, frankly. I, I, you know, uh, also, I, don't, I do drive. I don't own a car. I've never owned a car. I've always lived in Toronto until the last couple of years moving back, uh, back home, back here to Peterborough. Uh, you know, in my own home, not my parents' home. Just to be clear, I'm not that kind of a blogger. <laughs> but, it doesn't look uh, like
0: you're in the basement either. So, no,
1: no, that, that's part of the reason I'm here. It's like, and I
0: can confirm he's not wearing a bathroom. So, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, no, uh, man, Toronto was just so expensive. I kind of, when I, when my last place, when the landlord was taking it over, I was like, all right, no, no basements, no roommates, certainly. Uh, <laughs> And so that's what's led me back to be beautiful Peterborough. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I do, I do miss going to the games. But uh, but yeah, those times that I do have to travel, it's usually by the GO bus, which uh, uh, is less than ideal. I should probably buy a car now that I live in a very car-centric city. But how
0: uh, um, how did you get your start? How do, how does Andrew start his baseball journey? I know you don't, you're not fond of the word journalist, but I'm going to use it. Like how did, how did it sure. get started in journalism covering baseball?
1: Sure. I I mean, yeah, I don't like journalists because I, I think that it's an insult to actual journalists to call myself one, but like, uh, you know, it was, it, it was uh, Fred and I, Dustin Parks, who, you know, fans of the, of, of what I do will know and remember Dustin. He's, uh, he's still around. He's at the national post. still, I believe, uh, it was basically just we had like a, a hockey pool and a, a message board. And we had uh, back in the days, pre-social media, we had an email circle with a bunch of our friends where we were all working terrible jobs. And, you know, we'd just kind of use it as a chat room, email each other. And, and Parks and I would go off on tangents about, you know, a terrible thing Rich Griffin wrote or <laughs> a terrible thing that we read about the Blue Jays. And uh, eventually all our friends were like, stop we don't care like just start emailing just between yourselves and we're like that's that's stupid i don't want to just email back so we just decided to throw it up on a blog and lo and behold uh we came along at the right place at the right time uh because that was all sort of nascent and uh and, you know bigger companies started looking into what was happening in the blogosphere fans were looking for that outlet where it was you know beyond the the gate keep the gate area of uh uh, of the media where it was just, you know, only the guys with access could talk about the team and there was this, this other way of doing it. And I was very fortunate the way the, the timing all worked out that we were putting out weird, interesting Blue Jays content on uh, drunkjaysfans.blogspot.com that it just <laughs> sort of it sort of uh, it snowballed a bit and I've managed to milk it into, uh, into what's been like a career for like 15 years, basically. It's, been, it's remarkable. I don't deserve it, but I'm, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Yeah, well, you're very good at it. you're being humble, but you're very okay. good at it. So, the the Jays go through a weird period, and then Richard Griffin becomes <laughs> the head of PR. How weird is that for you <laughs> and, and and for him?
1: I I think it's fine. I mean, Griffin, and I I mean, he is very good natured, and I, I you know, to his eternal credit, like you know, he would use the. I, for years when I would hijack his mailbag, you know, at the Toronto Star, he would do a mailbag. and Now I, now I do one of my own for The Athletic. But uh, he would do it for years, and I would hijack the questions and be like, I'm just going to steal the questions and answer them in my own voice instead of him. Uh, and <laughs> found, somehow found a picture of, like, an Eastern European drunk on a park bench who looked uncannily like Griff, uh, which I would always use as, like, the head, you know, the main image for those posts. Uh, and he like, you know, he was, I remember him saying at one point, like, oh, my son has that as my, as his computer background. And Griff would use it as his avatar. And, and, uh, I don't, I didn't, I'm speaking of other things I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve any, like, any good naturedness from him at all. Cause we were pretty ruthless and, and punk rock at the, in the, those early days. And very unapologetically, like, you know, screw all these people, uh, which just makes it all the more remarkable that I'm still here, uh, But yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's cool. I've, i still, I talked to Griff obviously professionally and, and, you know, I've sat and had drinks with him. Uh, So that's all good. And, and, you know, he's a he was a PR guy for years and years. He's probably been a PR guy longer than he was with the newspapers, right? He was with the Expos forever. So it kind of made sense. I think it kind of made sense that the team wanted a conduit and somebody maybe a little more plugged into, you know, the, the local media. Uh, So that's where we're at. I, it, it's weird. Cause you know, obviously this year is just such a strange and different year than, than any other, you know, we're on zoom calls and uh, you know, that's, it, it seems to be going well, but it's obviously just a completely different dynamic. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, that was a, that was a surprise to me though, I will admit. So,
0: so you, you let, let's go back in time just a little bit because you've been doing this for so long. The, you know, if you go back to the Anthopolis era and the end of it, the unceremonious dropping of the ball where it becomes public domain that they're hunting for a new president to replace a retiring Paul Bista, and leaks, you know, the, the, the Reinsdorf story leaks Mm. like it's, it's bungled as much and as well (laughs) as something can be bungled. Yep. Um, And part of the story at the time was that they were really looking for someone to reinvent a, a very old business organization that happens to be in baseball that you know, that Paul Beeston had run things really the old way and not that there's anything wrong with that, but we live in a modern world and, and you know, they, they needed some discipline and actually how to, how to run an organization, a business organization today. Um, Say what you want about the on-ice performance or the on-court performance, but MLSE is certainly much more was more buttoned up and corporate than the the Blue Jays were. Mm-hmm. They bring in Mark Shapiro, um, just on that point alone. Forget on-field, but but has that goal been accomplished? Are 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 they more a modern era baseball franchise?
1: Yeah, I, I think definitely, and I, I you know nobody knows how much nudging came from the league, but I assume that there was significant nudging from the league. And I, I don't know if Shapiro ends up in Toronto, uh, you know, out of the great thing he had in Cleveland for so long, perhaps without some of that same nudging, you know, there's politicking going on behind the scenes. Shapiro. uh, I don't know if he's ever, I'm sure he's never publicly talked about, you know, he would be happy to be the commissioner one day. And, and and there was talk about him like being the big 10 commissioner at one point. Uh, and it's just, it's a process that is not just, uh, happening in Toronto. Like we, I actually, it's the, this week is the 20th anniversary of Rogers, uh, buying the Blue Jays sort of officially, uh, and I wrote about this this week and and how, you know, the, the in years and the previous years, uh, it was sort of, you know, mom and pop business isn't quite the same, but now, you know, we see teams where, you know, I think Blue Jays fans for a long time were like, oh, Rogers owns the team. It's terrible. It's corporate. Uh but now even like teams that are owned by individuals have the same sort of mentality. Like the, the whole league has pushed towards, you know, the wall streetification of, of, of the sport, you know, not just in terms of, you know, everybody knows about how, you know, analytics and, and the extra 2% and all the marginal value stuff has, has seeped into the game on the field. Uh, but I think at, at the front office level and, you know, being ruthlessly efficient about maximizing revenue streams and all that, you know, that's something that you know, the least in, Beaston was interested, obviously, you know, he's, you know, he's a business man, but I mean, there's definitely a different tenor to the way that, you know, Shapiro has come in and implemented things like dynamic pricing and things that are, you know, moving the press box to left field instead of, you know, so you can put in a premium lounge and just really focusing on the revenue that they can control and, and, uh, and tightening up uh, all those sort of aspects of the business. I, I think that they have done that. They have, you know, he, chapiro uses email which i think is a step in the right direction but there i mean there's a charm to beast and everybody loves beast and and for good reason and and obviously it was it ended up being very successful uh and that was such a weird period when that transition happened but uh but i do think that they have you know moved into the you know into the modern age of baseball teams and i think that you know they're far from the only ones uh it's it's been a it's been a sea change in the entire industry really i mean the Steinbrenners still own the Yankees, but the, there is no George Steinbrenner around anymore.
0: So one of the things that Shapiro, I believe, was hired to do was fix a very outdated Skydome, Roger Center. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: it's, been, <laughs> it, it's been polished. It's been dusted. Uh, but man, it needs a lot of work. And I've been banging the drum heavily on Twitter that when Major League Baseball was shut down, they had a window where we knew that facility would not be used until at least April of 2021. Mm-hmm. And we don't hear jack shit about anything going on in that building, which I think is, was, is really unfortunate, uh, borderline criminal with a small C.
1: I mean, Rogers got to get them five G towers up, though. You know, you got to invest in your cell and your cell phone infrastructure. I think that's where their priorities are at. But yeah, I think it absolutely is a huge missed opportunity. Obviously, the pandemic, people. I mean, Rogers can't cry poor, even the even though the circumstances are what they are. Uh, but I think that's sort of allowed them to have a bit of a pass. But yeah, it, it it would have been it would have been a huge opportunity, or it was a huge opportunity that they've missed. My my sense on it and i've you know i maybe i've said this i've written this like sort of subtly before and i don't you know i don't know anything but i've definitely heard it hinted and spoken to people but not enough to like say on on record or report but like i i think that obviously they're very interested in what's going on with rail deck park uh with that big you know infrastructure uh plan and project that's going to happen right adjacent to the building i'd heard somebody say you know the real estate is so high at one Mount Pleasant, and and at that part of Bluer Street, that they that they could move operations down to a new facility, and try to do something sort of like MLSC has with with Maple Leaf Square, and and you know really dreaming big. And I think that you know when Mark Shapiro ever talks about you know what's going on with the renovations and with you know with the building, he sort of passes the buck and says it's above his pay grade. And I think that that's that's sort of where, you know, th- th- that's that's probably the ambitious plan is to somehow get a new ballpark and get, or get a thoroughly revitalized Roger Center into a tiny little space there that would also allow them to bring in, you know, the, the commercial real estate stuff, the, the stuff that really, you know, is the moneymaker for a lot, of, a lot of pro teams now, right? I mean, you see all over the place where, where that's, that's sort of the drive, the driving force for them. And I think they'd love to get into that. Um, and I think that they, before the pandemic sort of threw everything sideways, I think that they saw a possible opportunity with all the changes that were going to be made on the, on the rail deck park and on the, on the rail line there that's right there at the stadium. Um, my dream, and I don't know how feasible it is, but you know, you look at, and I've, I've put this in, in posts before and, and, and I've tweeted about it, but if you look at the way that they built the new Bush stadium, where they kind of built half of it around one end of the stadium and then played a season in the, in the existing stadium. And as soon as it was done, Tore it down and got the the half that they'd sort of built outside of it ready enough to play the next year, and then sort of phased in the rest of the stadium around it. Uh, there might be enough room there if <laughs> if you could figure out what to do with Bremner Boulevard. there might be enough room there for the Jays to do something similar, but that is just at such a scale it's sort of like the 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 natural grass field thing for them right it's like well it's we could do it, but the it's just a you know how much money are we willing to really spend to make it right so
0: so assuming assume for a really second is. that they're not going to blow it up like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: and start all over again cuz basically that's what that's talking
1: about that is
0: if if we're going to keep the the outer shell what are your top 3 things you'd like to see them fix
1: uh for i mean first for me it's <laughs> make every damn seat face the pitcher <laughs> cuz there are definitely ones down the line where it's like you know, they built it for a multi-purpose as a multi-purpose stadium, but you can, you're can sitting down the the right field line, and if you're square in your seat, you're looking at the center fielder, and it's like, well, this is not how to take in a baseball game. Uh, you know, that's maybe that's small to a lot of people, but but yeah, the the seats, rip them all out, <laughs> make them a little bit bigger, a little bit more comfortable, uh, and make it just a little, you know, so so they're oriented better for baseball. Um, you know, I don't know what you can really do. The grass field is something that a lot of people would love to see. I would love to see it. I think that that ship's probably sailed. Uh, you know, if they really are committing to like being in there for 30 years, like maybe they should revisit that. Uh, but I've but I've actually uh, I've heard that there's you know a water main underneath there, which is another problem. Like they'd have to shut off water to condos for days to do sort of any sort of big project. So it's it, they're in a tough spot. Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't know what you can do with it because that shell is so sort of rigid. Um, you know, to <laughs> open it up to the outside would be nice a little more, but I don't think that's feasible.
0: To your point, uh, when, I, when I asked people on Twitter for a response, um, the number one response I got was rip out the seats and make them all face the pitching mat. There you go. Which shocked me. I thought number one would definitely be grass, grass, and more grass.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, aesthetic, aesthetically, it is, uh, it's much nicer to see a game on real grass. But, but yeah, for those who actually go to the games, man, those seats, not great.
0: Uh, all right, so now let's now let's look at the administration, if you will, from a baseball standpoint, and, and my understanding is that the current guys actually deserve a bit of a pass for the first couple of years because they came in with a mandate of change, but circumstance led ownership to dictate a pause on that. I.E. Holy crap. We did really well. We filled the building. TV ratings were off the charts. Yeah. Don't you dare do what we asked you to do yet. Let's try and extend this a little bit. So if you look at the, entire picture of work up until where they are right now. How do you grade them?
1: I mean, it's real easy to be positive about them at this point because the expectations haven't really started. Everybody can see that it's moving in the positive direction. Uh, You know, you like a lot of the young talent yet, but it hasn't really coalesced into into a winner. Uh, They still have to hold off the Detroit Tigers, which, you know, if that's a challenge for them, they're maybe not as as far along the, the process as they think. Uh, so we'll see how the rest of this uh, quote unquote season goes. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it was, I mean, I think they could have handled some of it better. They were definitely sort of half pregnant for a couple of years there, uh, trying to, trying to not expend prospect capital while also trying to compete while also, you know, using some of the, the resources that they got in, uh, you know, from the, the additional TV ratings, but not, you know, not tying down, you know, seeing, seeing that, that, the window was going to close and that they weren't really going to do everything they could to stop it because that was sort of the project they were hired to do so yeah it, it, I, I don't know if i could put a letter grade on it I've, i i think a lot of people uh especially this year especially after the reuse c- signing uh, uh, and you know i it's too soon to gauge the temperature after the the trade deadline but to see them being buyers and getting rental players and and really seizing the opportunity that they have even though you know while also being a little half pregnant and being like, well, we're not going to, we're not going to go all in on 2020. Obviously like that's uh, it's not a championship kind of year for them, but if they can sneak into the playoffs, you know, you never know what can happen. But uh, so I I think that was smart. I think that keeping fans engaged uh, is smart too. And, 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 you know, just taking the opportunity that's in front of them, the extra playoff teams is giving them uh, has been good. And I think you see a lot of positive signs and a lot of things that people hated, a few years ago, they're starting to come around on. You know, Julian Merriweather looking really good. Uh, Nate Pearson was the guy that they got as the compensation draft pick when they didn't sign Edwin Encarnacion, and, you know, a little bit of time passes, and and some of those things uh, start to make a little more sense, uh, especially when you hit on a Nate Pearson with a pick like that.
0: So, I'm going to let you take a breath for a second. Let me pay some bills here. (laughs) It's hard to imagine, you know, that we are sitting here right now, and there are playoffs going on, NBA, MLB, and NHL, major league playoffs, aren't and we've got rumblings that the NFL's actually get started. And I know this is going to shock you, but people do like to bet their hard-earned money on sports. It's time to take full advantage of being back and get on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props to bet on. There's an online casino as well. Go to betonline.ag and sign up and receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline are your online sports experts. And as you know, during the pandemic especially, nothing is more important than a good night's sleep. Sleep envy is more than a mattress. Customize your mattress by taking the one-minute quiz. They ship the mattress right to your door. It could not be easier. You get to try it for 100 nights in the comfort of your home. Shipping is always free. If you're not satisfied, they pick it up and refund you. If you use the code PRESSROW at checkout, you get 25% off. Go to sleepnv.com, enter PRESSROW at checkout to get 25% off. We are about to head into Labor Day, which means back to school. And if you're looking for a gift for back to school, because nothing's normal right now, go visit my friends at Vanderhout Jewelry, V-A-N-D-E-R-H-O-U-T, jewelry.com. You can customize your great looking jewelry amazing customer service team. Use the code SPORTS20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order. That's Vanderhout Jewelry, V-A-N-D-E-R-H-O-U-T Jewelry.com. You know, it's interesting. We um, we talk about uh, Atkins and Shapiro and kind of giving them a little letter grade for where they are. and I, I think this I hate the term, but I think this season, no matter what happens, gets a bit of an asterisk. You know, if they make the playoffs, they've expanded the playoffs. If they don't, yeah, it's a weird season. Like, I think they get a pass. I think they get a pass if they don't fare well, and I think they get an asterisk if they do. I'm going to call that equal. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, more so Shapiro, has had such a rocky start to his relationship with media and fans in Toronto
1: that, that's a great question I mean I, it obviously comes down to just the circumstances that he came in under uh, you know the it became sainted you know as soon as those trade dead, deals happened at the trade deadline in 2015 uh, and but I it's more than just that I think I think it's you know I don't I don't know that he was prepared for uh, just the way that the Blue Jays fans think the way that the Toronto market thinks, the way the Canadians think about a lot of, uh, uh, about their team and about, you know, interlopers coming around and, and, and that, that, you know, that term is, is ridiculous, but also that's sort of how I think it got presented in a lot of ways. And and there was always the talk of the Cleveland cronies and the, and, and, and it, it was just, it was just, here's someone to ruin our good time. Um, but I I don't I, I don't know and I, I think that you know the. It's funny I had a, a friend of mine, uh, who told t- told me about her dad once who was a, a an ad executive in Toronto and he created Captain Highliner I forget the I forget the man's name and I forget the, the ad agency that he worked for, uh. But it was uh, but he was big you know he did he was extremely successful, on the creative side at this agency in Toronto that uh that ended up asking him to to. Run the company and move to San Francisco and, and be and be like their top executive. I think he was one of the first guys from Creative to ever, ever do that. Uh, and just and, and just the stories she would say about how difficult it was for him, just because the business culture is very different, uh, even though the border is 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 sort of, it, it's not much of a border a lot of times. But it, it it's just it, it's it's difficult to to, you know. I see it a bit because I'm in an American company at the Athletic, and it, it's it, you know it's not bad. It's not one way is wrong or one way, but it's just the way that. That that the way the people that become successful in the states aren't aren't necessarily going to be as successful or as well appreciated in Canada and and vice versa I think and and I think there's sometimes been a bit of that I mean the the messaging that comes out of the Jays and I, uh, you know, we talked about Rich Griffin and and, and finding somebody that <laughs> that that you know has a that is a little more in tune with you know just the way that the media market works here uh, has probably been good for them and and. You know, I just some of the stuff that the the authenticity was never quite there in a way that I think Canadians would find as opposed to maybe in American business culture that you know, you look at a guy like Shapiro and, and you hear the, the business school stuff and you hear the 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 Wall Streetish things that come out of like any MLB front office now. Uh I don't know if that resonates as well here as it does there. Uh and I think that's sort of was perhaps part of it. But it, but I mean, ultimately it was Anthopolis and then it was sort of a concerted effort by, uh, uh, by the media in a lot of ways to, to just to lean into that. And I don't think that the, you know, I believe, I 100% believe that he scolded Anthopolis about <laughs> trading away all the prospects, uh, which was a huge uh, problem for him because it's like the, this front office just gave us the greatest baseball season we've had in 20 years. And you're telling it was you're telling us it was bad and now you're the guy running things like that's a big old hole for him to have to dig himself out of.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's interesting because in talking to people from Cleveland when he got hired, like he could not have had a more pristine reputation coming
1: absolutely, in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have people like from other front offices. I don't have a ton of connections in front offices, but people you know, people being like why, why is everybody like this? These guys are really good. Like, these guys are really good. Why is everybody hating them? Like, it was bizarre for them.
0: It was almost more on, this guy's a really good guy. Like, he's really smart. He's really effective. Phenomenal in the community. And it's like he came to Toronto and, like, somebody gave him the Darth Vader outfit and he completely changed. <laughs> that was the perception <laughs> of the guy. Like, yeah. It was pretty, it was almost as bad as when Tim Laiwiki came in and wanted to pull down the Maple Leaf veteran pictures from like, from the ACC <laughs> and yeah. was planning parade routes on his first day, right? Like,
1: yeah, we have this, we, get, we can get a little provincial about things, especially when it comes to Americans, I feel in, in, uh, in Toronto in particular. Uh, it's, uh, it's very defensive. interesting,
0: I think. Um, so th- there's a perception, mean, I mean, let's dig into that just for a second, actually. Sure. No at the end of the, at the when we entered that season, I think it's fair to say that Anthopolis was on shaky ground with the fans and the media um, yeah. performance wasn't great um, he had made a couple of signings and a couple of trades that had that created massive hype that did not overly deliver anywhere near their expectation mm-hmm. and I would argue that had he not been Canadian and had he been not so good with the media, he would have been roasted and and, and fired much sooner um,
1: uh, He also had Beeston for cover who was correct. very who was very good with the media, but yeah no I think that's I think that's correct
0: but if you if he was Richardi, Beeston would't have been able to protect him
1: mm-hmm.
0: right richardi um,
1: did hang on for a surprisingly long time, but yeah. But so the question, like
0: with Shapiro, you know, did Anthopolis get too much of a gift by, you know, by pulling some strings right away that made an awful lot of sense that delivered, as you said, the best. I mean, is that really what did it? I mean, did what, if you look back at the Anthopolis book of work, how would you grade that?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, it's, you know, you can't say a bad thing about it because of the way that, you know, the team that he ended up with, but it, it was rocky and it took a long time to get there. And people very quickly forgot about, you know, rolling their eyes at payroll parameters and, and being frustrated about you Darvish or ha- having to go hat, hat in hand to the players to try to get Irvin Santana signed. And, you know, the, I think that uh, like Deonor Navarro was the highest, you know, until they signed Russell Martin, Navarro was like the highest free agent contract they paid out, which was like, you know, a $9 million deal over a couple of years. Uh, so yeah, like, like it, it was, it was Rocky and, 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 you know, overall, you know, you can only give that a C, I guess, because that's just sort of, it's like you were saying, you know, there, there was a lot of positive, there was a lot of negative. And I, I really do think that, that you're right about, uh, that he was a little bit protected. I mean, I think it was 51 and 51. They were at, you know, at, uh, before the trade deadline in 2015, uh, uh, Beeston was already on the way out the door. He was retiring. All the Dan Duquette stuff had happened already. You know, they, it was clear; the writing was on the wall that someone with baseball uh, experience was going to come in, and 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 it was probably the end for Anthopolis, especially if they didn't make the playoffs. And then they 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 just went so unbelievably all in, and it worked out so incredibly that it just it changed everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that people really, really, really forget that even in that 2015 season, like people were. It was just an assumption that he was gone at the end of the year, right?
0: So, one of the things that's uh, that's interesting is the media perception of the team right now, especially those that that fly the Rogers banners. And that this is a a hot button topic for many people that follow the Jays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old when I when I lived in Detroit, there was a local radio station that didn't have any rights, and and their their tagline was. The only station in town not bought and paid for by the home team. Um, there, there seems to be a narrative out there that the Sportsnet guys are really drinking and pushing the Kool-Aid. That everybody was really wrong about Shapiro. And this team is really good. And they're going to make the playoffs and all is well. Do, do you agree with that as you look at the team right now?
1: I, well I don't agree with the the sports net stuff necessarily. You know, I think those guys are professional and I, not just cuz I like them and I I you know have to be have to work with them and be on Zoom calls with them. But I like, I think you know I think they ask tough questions, but obviously uh you know obviously it's a strange spot and it's a spot where uh where I've been too, you know, when I was when I was we don't really have advertisers at the Athletic, but when I was at the Score, it's like you know, I I was not I was not I was not going to say a bad word about Jack Link's beef jerky. You know, right. they're paying the bills, so there you know there's always sort of an internal tension about that. But I I think they're generally fair, and but I also completely understand why fans uh, are suspicious of that because that's you know that is 100% part of why Rogers owns the team, right? It's to get content, and then it's to you know brand build, and part of that is through that media arm. Um, it's, it's a tough spot. And I, I, you know, I, I think they take too much criticism at times. But, uh, and, I, and I think it goes the other way, too. I think sometimes the, 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 the papers or the TV stations that, that don't have the rights or don't, or don't have the Rogers money uh, sort of take up the mantle of, well, we're going to piss on everything now. Because you know, just, uh, just sort of to be in opposition, of you know, we assume that, the, that uh, it's going to be a positive, shiny narrative coming out of the one shop. So we're going to take the other side. Uh, where I've you know I tend to get caught in between because people you know variously I'm like, oh you're being too hard on them, which happens less often than it's like oh you're you're paid by Rogers. I remember Rogers owned a bit of the score when I was there. I think they owned like 10 percent, and people just assumed that oh well, if he says anything positive, that's that. And we you know we would just literally laugh at them uh, in our office. Not you know well probably on Twitter <laughs> too, but uh, but yeah I th- that stuff is all strange. But uh, I, I and. But I, and I don't know how much it drives it because I think people can see with their own eyes that obviously the team has a lot of talent, uh, young talent, interesting talent, certainly isn't a championship-caliber team yet. Uh, and, you know, I just think things are so up in the air right now. It's it, it's at that point. It's at that point where there's not much to get mad at Shapiro Atkins for uh, because it looks like they've pulled, like, the right levers so far and, and things are going in the right direction. But it's just how far will they continue to go in the direction of becoming a winning team? And and that's obviously unclear. I don't know if they have the horses to get there yet or if they're going to be able to do it, but, uh, but I think Jason should be happy with, you know, what's, you know, now that we are out of the, the period of rebuilding, uh, they should be pretty pleased, I think, with where the team is at and what's possible in the future.
0: Is, is the manager the right manager?
1: <laughs> I, I tend to get defensive about him not for any personal reason. I do, you know, he's a, I, I kind of like him i think people I think people get down on a lot of decisions that he's making that probably aren't his decision. I don't think that he he's certainly not acting alone all the time, right I mean a lot of the lineup stuff, a lot of the pitcher usage stuff you know I'm sure that's coming out of high performance I'm sure you know that literally over the weekend, chase Anderson uh, was pulled after eighty two pitches and people got mad about it and Montoyo said after the game, well, he was only going to he was only going to go ninety, which you know that's a directive that I'm sure is not coming straight you know just he's not making that up off the top of his head that's something that's coming from from within and so i don't know i some of the strategy stuff is hard to defend or perhaps even impossible to defend uh but i think the jays right now seem to think that they'll they'll take the good with the bad they really like that he is you know willing to accept that information from the the front office from analytics from high performance that he's good in the room that he's good for the development of these guys that he's positive um i think a lot of people have the idea that they'll one day you know have to do the 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 thing that the cubs did with joe madden and ron Renke and be like okay now our now, now the nice guy has to leave and the winning manager is going to come in uh but i don't know i i i i don't think that montoya was sort of monolithic in and what he thinks i uh, there was a i was in a tweet thread with joe siddle who's uh, does fantastic work i think for sports that in, in terms of just the nuts and bolts analysis that he does but he's like i'm a teammate of charlie montoyo is like he's got a great baseball mind a lot of this stuff is not coming from him like he wouldn't hit kevin biggio eighth in the lineup you know the uh and and was you know really going to bat for him and i think there's something to that i think that there you know that there's more to what montoyo is doing than we see and there's probably more to him than uh uh, than people are giving credit for so as the circumstances change i'm willing to to believe that he can, you know, change with them and be the manager that the team needs when they're more, you know, win focused, championship focused. Uh, but we'll see. I, I'm not ready to throw him out yet. But you know,
0: <laughs> that that to me sounds like further gasoline for the anti Shapiro Atkins. <laughs> you know, they've got their puppet in the clubhouse.
1: I mean, that's just modern baseball, though, right? I mean, that is there are no, you know. Earl Weavers anymore. There's no Tony Laruses around who are you know doing it on their own. It's all you know. They talk about the collaborative front office. The you know the, the you know people roll their eyes at that as they do many things that those guys say. But you know I think the collaboration, the collaborative nature of what they're doing, surely extends to the manager's office, and that's just you know that's just where the league is at everywhere. You know I think that there's there's not a team in baseball where the manager isn't a puppet at this point. So.
0: So, final question. I think you know one of the most unfair things that's happened in the Blue Jay world realm over the last little while is the aura and hype around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, a lot of it inflicted by um, Rogers and the Blue Jays themselves. Um, you know, short of you know hitting for the cycle, throwing a no hitter, and a walk-off home run grand slam on opening day, I don't think he ever could have lived up to the hype, uh, which I think is tremendously unfair. Um, So the question is, we've now had some time to breathe. Uh, He came to camp, what looked like in really good shape, that unfortunately seemed to have dissipated uh, with him putting on at least the Corona-19. Um, <laughs> as somebody who watches the game and knows a lot about it and writes about it, if you look at his career in the major leagues thus far, um, where do you think we are?
1: I mean, I think it's, I think it's been encouraging the last few weeks and I think that you're, we're seeing some of those COVID-19 <laughs> coming off, right? I mean, he spoke a couple of weeks ago, uh, on a zoom call about, how he goes in you know the first thing he does when he gets to the ballpark every day is he works with the strength and conditioning coach uh just about every day he said uh you know and, and I, I don't know if it was half hour 45 minutes an hour but he but he's out there he's doing strength and conditioning work first before he goes into you know goes to the cage thinks about you know the game plan and what the, you know how how he's going to attack the pitchers that he's going to face uh and, and we're starting to see it like i think that you know you're seeing it in just you know physically and the way that he you know, just his swing looks so much better than it did at the start of the season in July. Uh, you know, it, it definitely. I mean, I it, <laughs> I didn't I didn't think you did that great a job in spring of coming in. You know, it's so weird to be talking about a 20 year old than like or anybody really about like you know nitpicking the, their bodies and stuff. But I mean, this is this is really going to be the issue for him, right? I mean, the weight is going to determine what kind of a career he has, I think. And if he can keep it off, he can, if he can, you know, they already, you know, when he came back, they, I'm sure that the weight that the was part of the reason that they were like, okay, you're not playing third base anymore because not only physically is that not great for you, but, you know, you know if you want to play third, you have to do a better job keeping yourself in shape. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the, he's never really had failure. And he, like you say, it was really unfair some of the hype a lot of it was from the outside, you know, MLB's, like Jim Callis, I remember putting a Hall of Fame comp on him being like, you know, this is the, you know, people were like, this is the most exciting hitter we'd ever seen in the minor leagues. And that was true. And then also the Blue Jays, I mean, you know, opening his, his, uh, his first batting practice, like putting it on TV, like that is a bit of, I, you know, I guess you got to milk it for whatever dollars you can, but that's a bit much and a bit unfair to the player and definitely uh you know, it's been rocky, but he's just—he's failing for the first time, and we're unfortunately sort of witness to it in real time. And I think the hope from the team probably is that you know these are these are lessons he's going to learn, and hopefully that over the over the winter, I'm sure that they, uh, and I think they said this last year that they like they would love him to stay in Dunedin all winter, work with their guys all winter. Uh, I don't think he, you know, I think he went back to the. I mean, he's got a family; he's got two young kids. Uh, he's, uh, you know, it, it's he's with as a, as an employee, he's well within his rights to do that, but also. You know, for the best of his career, he's he's starting to get into his arbitration years. I talked about this on my podcast the other night. Drew Fairservice, my co-host, was like, getting close to those arbitration years, got to start thinking about the checks, you know, like, he needs to, uh, he, he needs to be the guy that everybody believes he can be, and I think we still do believe it. Like, I mean, it's been, it's been way better lately, uh, and if you look at his, if you go to Baseball Savant and you look at, like, where he is in terms of exit velocity and expected weight on base, and all the expected stats and all the newfangled things like he is uh he is steadily progressing to the top of the league like he's looking more and more like that guy and i you know the bat speed is there he hits the ball so hard like there's still tons to like about him um but yeah i think that the the conditioning is going to be the key there and uh and that's made it a a real awkward transition because it's been a struggle for him and because so much was expected of him
0: all right so we'll end with a prediction they going to make the playoffs this year?
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I think so. I you know, like you say, it's an asterisk. You, you give them a pass if they don't. But right now, Detroit's their only competition for that eighth spot. And if you can't beat the Tigers, I mean, I think they got. I, I think yeah, I think they'll they'll be okay. I think they'll make it. I don't. I think they'll probably get bounced in the first round, obviously. But uh, but you never know. Ryu's a good uh, a good guy to start in a game one. So you can go from there. But no, I think they'll make it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Andrew. Love, uh, love following you on Twitter, reading you at The Athletic and other places. Uh, Hope you and your family continue to keep well during the pandemic. And uh, hopefully we can do this again.
1: You as well. Yeah, I would be happy to. That'd be great. This was fun.
0: Make sure you follow us here. Leave with the press row on all your favorite social media channels until next time.